It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. Because I'm telling you why. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, certified financial planner and president of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Now, with two weeks left, our attention is focused on Christmas and the holiday season. The holidays will certainly be different this year because of the virus, and especially because of the ramp-up in the cases since October. Uh, no one wants to make, uh, you know, uh, no one wants to take the chances, uh, but we have to adapt and protect our uh, loved ones as well as ourselves. This year, America has been adapting to a virtual existence and celebrating birthdays, graduations, and even weddings by using Zoom and FaceTime and even the telephone. My clients tell me about their ingenious ideas for visiting with their children and grandchildren. But in the end result, they do miss the hugs and kisses most of all. Even the shopping is different. The traffic in the malls is down. There's a lot less window shopping where shoppers would spend hours wandering around the mall looking at things without any intention of buying just to see what was out there. Now, shoppers have their lists or targets of what they want to buy, and it's in and out. And before we have to be, before we have to be careful and become uh, about coming again, becoming too excited and getting carried away with the buying, we need to make Christmas budgets before we stop shopping. Otherwise, when the bills come in January, we'll be sorry. At that time, our New Year's resolution will be spend less and save more. But if we focus on our important family goals and our plans for meeting these goals, we can draw up a budget for Christmas without breaking the bank. Uh, we have goals for the family, braces for the kids, uh, activities for the youngsters, 
uh, goals for ourselves. Let's review these goals and see how much we can spend on Christmas without without crashing the long-term goals. Then we can look forward to enjoying the Christmas uh, season and celebrating the birth of Jesus. Then our only worry will be whether or not we have a white Christmas in Northeast Ohio. And in between our Christmas planning, we can entertain ourselves by watching our investments. This week, global equities were generally down, even though there were good developments, but not enough to offset the bad. For example, in Europe, stocks eased down uh, because of uh, uh, some bad news. One was the uh, possibility of the no Brexit deal. Uh, they're still arguing about that at the highest levels, but the uh, most probable is that there will be uh, no agreement for the Brexit. Uh, the other one is watching the uh, Europe has been watching the U.S. Uh, stimulus uh, news or lack of news. Uh, the, the good news is the European Central Bank unveiled plans to buy an additional $500 billion in bonds and uh, uh, give banks even larger subsidies to keep credit flowing in a bid to support the Eurozone economy, the economy through the end of this coronavirus. And also the good news there was that uh, they've got the, they had their vaccine, vaccine started. Uh, they started their vaccinations already. And uh, basically, if you take a look, going back to that European Central Bank, uh, and their extra 500 billion euros. But what's happening in Europe, in Europe is that the the individual governments, uh, France and Germany and all the rest of them, they're stimulating their local economies with funding uh, for the companies to keep their workers and reduce taxes and things of this nature, while the European Central Bank got, buys their uh, government bonds to make sure that every country can sell their uh, treasury bonds at a low interest rate. Now, back in the United States, there was good news. Uh, the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, uh, vaccines were granted emergency approval uh, by the Food and Drug Administration yesterday. On Thursday, a Food and Drug Administration advisory panel recommended approval of the uh, vaccine, uh, clearing the way for the FDA uh, to grant emergency authorization for the vaccine. Uh, there have been concerns about the allergic reaction after two cases were reported in, uh, I think they were in England, uh, with regard to the vaccinations. Uh, the studies will continue even after the emergency approval uh, to, before the, uh, the vaccine is granted full approval. But they have an emergency uh, approval, so the uh, shipments will start soon. As late as uh, Friday afternoon, uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration had finalized the work needed to clear the uh, COVID-19 uh, vaccine developed by Pfizer and the German partner BioNTech uh, after the inject in, uh, injection was endorsed by the expert panel. And according to the uh, Alex Azar, who is the uh, Secretary of the Health and Human Services, uh, he said on, uh, uh, quote, 
we could see people getting vaccinated Monday or Tuesday of next week. Um, because of the limited supplies, uh, the first doses are expected to go to health workers uh, treating COVID-19 patients and also to uh, nursing home residents. But within uh, 24 hours after approval, uh, 6.4 million doses will be sent to uh, every state. Every state will get a piece of that 6.4 million doses in the District of Columbia, enough to inoculate a little under 1% of their population. Uh, more shots will be available uh, to more Americans, starting with people such as essential workers uh, uh, as the uh, vaccine production increases. Yet most Americans won't get vaccinated until the spring or summer, according to health authorities. Uh, Dr. Sahin, CEO of uh, BioNTech, uh, said, quote, supplies won't be sufficient to make a serious difference in the coronavirus pandemic this winter. Uh, BioNTech and Pfizer are scaling up production with the aim of being able to produce up to 100 billion doses by January at the latest. Uh, ideally, he continued, ideally, we should be able to produce even more than that, unquote. In addition, Moderna, uh, who is the uh, rival with regard to the uh, vaccine, uh, they've also requested FDA authorization for its COVID-19 vaccine. And according to the Wall Street Journal, the uh, Food and Drug Administration decision may come as early as next week. Uh, about a week after the initial Pfizer uh, shipments, about 12.5 million doses of Moderna vaccine will be expected to be sent out if, the, uh, if it receives approval. And again, uh, federal, according to the Wall Street Journal, federal officials say that they expect to uh, distribute enough vaccines in December to uh, immunize about 20 million people. Uh, supplies are expected to increase in January and beyond, and uh, uh, federal officials say that they expect to have enough vaccines to immunize about 100 million people in the United States by the end of February. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of information come out with regard to who's going to get the doses and uh, uh, what we're seeing so far is the, the number of doses that are going out uh, are fairly large, but still not not uh, large compared to a population of 320 million people. And uh, there'll be decisions with regard to who gets it. And apparently uh, the uh, FDA had some recommendations, but it'll be the individual states that um, have the final say in uh, how it's distributed within their state. And uh, even as the vaccines roll out, there's uh, no relief from the virus. Uh, since the start of October, the number of confirmed cases has, uh, began to ramp up. If you remember at the start of October or the end of September, we were looking at 45,000 confirmed cases a day, and now we're up to 225,000 uh, cases per day. And uh, the deaths were approximately 800 per day in October, start of October, and now they're up to 2,800. So 
a day. So the situation is getting serious, and people are going to have to um, uh, go back to the uh, all the precautions that have kept us that, that got the numbers down in the summertime. That is washing of the hands and wearing of the masks and and uh, the uh, distance spacing and all the rest of the uh, the things that we did in. Uh, in March and April, uh, it's all going to have to come back because this situation right now is ramping up. And, of course, uh, what it's going to do is, uh, from an economic viewpoint, it's going to uh, put more pressure on our growing economy, and it's going to grow at a slower pace uh, due to the restrictions. Government restrictions, uh, the government is stepping in in California and New York and other places to limit uh, restaurants and bars and, and uh, uh, people associating and people congregating and things of this nature. Uh, in uh, November, we saw the fall off in the payroll jobs. Uh, it went down from 610000 the month before to 245000 And then uh, we also saw an increase in um, uh, initial... Uh, unemployment applications uh, last week. Uh, the trend had been going down, 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 but uh, suddenly jumped up 135000 uh, above what it was before the, the last week. And we're going to talk about that later in the show. Another possible cause for the slowdown uh, could be the effects of the, uh, the effects of the first fiscal stimulus uh, that was involved with the CARES Act uh, that has begun to wear off. In fact, that, that began to wear off in September, and that involved that uh, $2.5 trillion that was pumped into the economy in terms of uh, uh, $1,200 checks to people, the payroll protection plan, uh, uh, $600 a week bonus uh, above the uh, state unemployment for the unemployment benefits, and uh, uh, what we're seeing is that part of the economy that's exposed to the coronavirus uh, and the shutdowns, like the airline travel and the restaurants and the theaters and the sports events, uh, they're going to need uh, more fiscal stimulus soon. Uh, the second stimulus has been in negotiations since uh, July. In other words, they got that first stimulus out. And uh, that had a positive effect. In fact, I think in in uh, April, in May, uh, the, the spending even went up, even as the wages of the people went down. Uh, but now uh, the, uh, the second stimulus that they've been talking about since July um, has been... Uh, has been in a, in a uh, just a, a nothing mode. Uh, but I think they are getting close to an agreement. Last week I mentioned that it could be anywhere from uh, $650 billion to $900 billion, but apparently uh, it'll be approximately $900 billion. It seems to be the size of the uh, stimulus with several competing versions, depending upon who's presenting the plan. Uh, and basically $900 billion will pay for a lot of... Uh, a lot of stimulus and expend uh, the uh, extend the stimulus 
uh, past the end of the year and maybe to uh, April of next year. So the things that they're talking about are extending the uh, or initiating the payroll protection plan again. Uh, the uh, the uh, smaller bonus uh, for the unemployment benefits, not the six hundred dollars, but something smaller like three hundred. Uh, the extension of the unemployment benefits uh, past the end of the year and into maybe like uh, March or April. Uh, money for hospitals, money for schools, money for states. All these things are being discussed, but they haven't been finalized yet. Uh, originally, in, in Washington, there were two critical programs that needed attention before the end of the year. Uh, one was the uh, the full year $1.4 trillion spending bill for the rest of uh, fiscal 2021. Fiscal 2021 for the government runs from uh, uh, October 1st of 2020 uh, to uh, to September 30th of 2021. So they're going to appropriate uh, $1.4 trillion in this omnibus bill that's combining uh, 12 annual appropriations bills. That was one thing. And the other thing was this virus stimulus package. In uh, addition to the second uh, virus stimulus package, the bigger problem was passing that $1.4 trillion omnibus appropriation bill. Uh, That omnibus bill uh, combines those 12 appropriation bills for the government uh, funding. And uh, before the election, a temporary appropriation bill was passed that expired yesterday, but yesterday the... uh, the House and the Senate approved an extension until next Friday, December 18th. So, and uh, President Trump signed this one-week stopgap spending bill on Friday ahead of the midnight deadline. Uh, the funding is now extended to the end of the day on December 18th, and uh, U.S. lawmakers are aimed to complete a full-year $1.4 trillion spending bill and also the COVID-19 relief legislation by the new deadline. So negotiations on the omnibus package uh, and uh, wrapping them together will continue, and uh, the lawmakers are hoping to use this as a vehicle for enacting that $900 billion in uh, uh, coronavirus-related aid. So uh, we should hear more about the second virus stimulus package uh, this week, uh, because a lot of things have to be done in Washington before the end of Friday. Uh, In addition, this week we'll probably see the final decision uh, regarding the uh, November presidential election. On Friday, the Supreme Court rejected uh, Texas' uh, long-shot bid to avoid 20 million votes in four other states. Uh, this uh, clears the path for uh, Joe Biden's victory when uh, presidential electors meet Monday in state capitals across the nation. Uh, The Supreme Court suit was uh, President Trump's last, this is according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, was President Trump's last chance to overturn the election results before the Electoral College convenes to formally cast their ballots. Like I said, the ballots will be cast Monday. 
there'll probably be 306 for Mr. Biden and 232 for President Trump. So Texas was uh, in their lawsuit. They were exercising a privilege that states hold to file claims directly before the Supreme Court, and they accused uh, Georgia, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin of violating their own state laws and thereby the U.S. Constitution. And the violation was uh, by adjusting absentee voting procedures to accommodate the surge in mail-in ballots from voters uh, following the public health guidance during the corona pandemic. So um, the, the, uh, in a brief order, the court said, quote, uh, this is from the Wall Street, uh, Texas lacked legal standing to bring the case. Texas has not demonstrated a judicially cognitive interest in the manner in which another state conducts its elections, unquote. The, uh, that was the unsigned order that came down from the Supreme Court. So I guess Monday will be a decisive day with regard to uh, what we're seeing in terms of, uh, of the election, uh, the presidential election. Uh, you know, in, in, in the, all of these, these big, picture items affect our investment and they they make our 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 uh, financial planning our personal financial planning uh pale in comparison to the magnitude of what we're talking about here in terms of 500 billion euros and 240,000 jobs 45,000 jobs and uh, unemployment going up and all the rest of it but in reality, the most important thing that we have to contend with is our financial plan. And that means that we do have to have some idea, more than some idea, we do have to have a well-written, well-thought-out financial plan that takes into account, uh, you know, what do we want to do? What are our goals, which are different depending upon where you are in life? Uh, coming out of school, it's a function of uh, having getting a car and an apartment. Uh, sooner or later, it becomes a, a question of uh, uh, getting married and starting a family and buying a house. And then uh, uh, the biggest one of all of this is the uh, retirement ones, where you're going to have to have enough money uh, set aside by your retirement to. Okay, to uh, support yourself in uh, 20 years of, unre- of uh, unemployment. So uh, all those things require that you sit down and review uh, what you have. And uh, a lot of times it's surprising as to what, what revenues you have, what uh, assets you have. Uh, you take a look at some of these... Uh, pension plans, and you say, well, I'm going to get so much a month. But when you take a look at the value of that pension plan over your lifetime, it could be close to a million dollars. So um, you have assets there. The house is, uh, for instance, uh, the latest figures came out that showed the the, uh, worth, uh, the net worth of uh, the, the American people 
I forget the exact number, but it's somewhere in the order of $145 trillion uh, between their uh, uh, assets and their houses and everything else. And uh, uh, so you've got to get that organized and, and look at it and say, okay, um, how do we make sure that each one of our goals on this list is properly funded? And uh, that means that you've got to take your either your present assets and fund it or your revenues that are coming in and your paycheck and uh, uh, put start putting money into those buckets that will grow with uh, uh, a reasonable rate of return due to your investments. And you have to uh, uh, keep track of the thing for the next basically maybe 40 years. So, to me, once you get it organized, uh, once you've thought it out and and sat down and compared, well, can we do this or well, can we do that, and the husband and wife agree upon uh, what's happening and where we're going and how much money is to be spent on this, it makes it a lot more comfortable and a lot more secure in terms of uh, uh, do we want a we want a new house? Do we want to give up something? What are we going to give up to get that? Are we going to give up the children's education? Are we going to give up part of our retirement? How do we, how do, we do it? So it puts you in the position of managing uh, your lifestyle and managing your money and managing your assets and uh, staying on top of it. And that gives you the sense of control and sense of uh, security that you know exactly what's going exacting exact is is a uh, uh, term that is not well used in economy, but it gives you a real good feel for where you are in uh, in your terms of your financial goals and what steps you have to take uh, to correct anything, any deficiencies. So, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. I'll repeat that. It's 1-888-281-1110. Give us a call. We can talk about your financial plan and what you see happening out there. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is Jim McAleese. Let's talk about the uh, U.S. economy and its recovery so far. We've been talking about, uh, you know, what's going on in Washington and when the next uh, uh, stimulus package arrives and what's happening to the elections, and also uh, the biggest threat uh, to this economy right now is the coronavirus. In other words, when you look at that uh, uh, ramp-up in terms of confirmed cases and deaths, uh, it hasn't turned uh, turned the corner yet. It's still ramping up. So uh, that's one of the things we have to, to uh, realize, that... Uh, as the cases increase and the deaths increase, then that's going to put the pressure on the governments 
uh, to put more and more restrictions in place. And that's basically what killed the economy in uh, uh, March and April. So uh, the idea here is that uh, this vaccine, uh, let's see, we have three vaccines coming. We've got the, the Pfizer, uh, we've got the Moderna, and we have the, uh, um, I think there's another one, I forget the, the name of it, but they're all uh, real contenders for coming on very, very soon. And so we're going to see millions of of, uh, of uh, vaccinations and millions of people being immune, immunized uh, to this virus. But we still have to keep the our, our, our guard up in terms of how we conduct ourselves to make sure that we're not spreading it and uh, to our loved ones and putting other people in danger. Now, if we take a look at what's happening in our economy, there is good news in terms of the economy. You know, the Department of Labor, they reported uh, this week that uh, consumer prices for November uh, showed that prices increased uh, uh, slightly in November. And that was one of the concerns when we talked about the original uh, fiscal stimulus, the CARES Act of uh, March, uh, with that $2.5 trillion, the concern there was, uh, what is that going to do to inflation? And uh, which it is a valid worry, uh, but the, the, the question is, when should we worry about it? And uh, the, uh, the U.S. government is borrowing money, and uh, it is um, pouring the money into, has poured the money into the economy. Uh, if you listen to the Federal Reserve, uh, they're going to continue their buying U.S. treasuries to keep the rates low. And they can, they're proposing to do that right through 2021. So uh, they want to let inflation get up to 2% and uh, before they try 2% and above 2% for an extended period of time before they begin to try to control inflation and uh, uh, try to increase the interest rates. So uh, to me, I'm looking at... Uh, from what I'm seeing, inflation won't be a problem until uh, 2023. Uh, and what we're seeing in the from the Department of Labor uh, shows that the consumer price index for all urban consumers increased two-tenths of a percent in November and after being unchanged in October. And over the last 12 months, the all-item index increased 1.2%. So this increase in the all items index is basically broad based. There, with the, there's no component accounting for more than a quarter of the increase, and the uh, the food index uh, declined in November as a decrease in the food at home index to more than offset a small increase in the food away from home. So month to month uh, is kind of a wash for for food. Uh, the index for energy rose in November, and of course that was due to the increase in the natural gas, which always always happens, and electricity, uh, and that was uh, more than offset by the decline in the price of gasoline. So uh, then you take a look at the core consumer price index, and the core is the uh, all-item less 
the food and energy. They take the food and energy out of there because the food and energy are so volatile. And that only increased two-tenths of a percent in uh, November after being unchanged the prior month. So uh, what you saw there was uh, a lodging away from home, you know, hotels and stuff like that, household furniture, furnishings, uh, recreation apparel, airline fares, a uh, uh, motor vehicle insurance all increased in uh, November. And uh, the index for used cars and, and uh and trucks, medical care, and new vehicles all declined for the month. So they kind of smeared it out into um, reasonable numbers. The all-item uh, consumer price index, like I said, increased uh, 1.2% over the last 12 months. And the core uh, consumer price index, uh, without food and fuel, uh, rose 1.6% over the last 12 months. So. That was the same increase we saw in October, and uh, to me, it's a it's a, uh, a reasonable uh, reasonable set of numbers. The only thing that really jumps out at you over the last uh, uh, twelve months has been that uh, uh, food went up three point seven percent, gasoline went down nineteen uh, percent, uh, close to twenty percent. And used cars went up uh, 10%. All the rest of this stuff, and airline fares went down. All the rest of this stuff is uh, basically uh, very small numbers. Uh, If we then go on and talk about the job openings and labor turnover, uh, what we're seeing is that uh, uh, these are the numbers. This this is the uh, jobs that are posted give us an idea of what's happening in the employment picture. And what we're seeing in the jobs posted is that uh, we relate these things to uh, what was going on in February before the start of the coronavirus. And in February, we noticed that the number of jobs that were posted were uh, uh, 7 million, uh, 7,024,000. And then we look at the numbers of jobs that were posted in March. It went down from 7 million to 6 million. April went down to 5 million. May, it began to come up from 5 million. And finally, in October, it it stands at 6.652 million jobs. Uh, The hires in February went from uh, 5.9 million hires in in February to today in in October is 5.8 million. So uh, what we're seeing is that the job openings aren't up to where they were in February. Uh, And I don't think they'll be uh, as good next month because what's going to happen is that over a period of time, uh, the shutdowns and well, not the shutdowns and the lockdowns are going to have their effect and they're going to slow this economy down even farther. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give our give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Producer of Get Rich Slow. 
Each week, we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Well, it doesn't Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Uh, did I see a, a call there, uh, uh, Andrew? Yes, and hold on one second, Jim. Okay. Uh-oh, we're, we're, I guess we're out of music. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Alrighty. So we had a question from Maxine, and she asked, uh, can you tell me what type of retirement plans require a required minimum distribution, and how is it done? Okay. Uh, uh, it, one of the most important things is that uh, with regard to this uh, CARES Act, in uh, it was uh, passed in March. Uh, they eliminated eliminated the requirements for the required minimum distribution this year. So in 2020, you do not have to take a required minimum distribution. Uh, they felt that uh, uh, the markets were down, and uh, they, uh, there was no need to be uh, pulling money out of these. Uh, uh, savings accounts and uh, the retirement accounts. So uh, they gave us a, a pass on the required minimum distributions for um, 2020. Uh, the if you take a look at you know, you'll be you'll be you'll come face to face with this required minimum distribution in 2021. Uh, the required minimum distribution rules apply. Uh, to any employer-sponsored retirement plan that includes 401ks, 403bs, uh, 457 plans, and it also require and also applies to uh, your traditional IRAs and the IRA-based uh, plans, retirement plans such as the SEPs, the SAR SEPs, the Simple SEPs. Uh, uh, there are exceptions uh, to the required minimum distribution, and that is the uh, you don't have to uh, uh, take a Roth. So if you got a Roth IRA, 
you don't have to take a required minimum distribution as long as the owner is alive. And uh, uh, the required minimum distribution for a, a Roth 401k is, yes, you do have to take uh, required minimum distributions out of a Roth 401k. You just have, don't have to pay the taxes on it. Uh, the, uh, here's, how, here's how you can calculate uh, your required minimum distribution. Uh, at the end of each year, uh, you take a look at your uh, uh, December 31st balance in your retirement accounts, and then you divide that by the life expectancy factor that the uh, IRS publishes in different tables depending upon the situation. In most cases, the uh, we use the uniform lifetime table. So for our clients, uh, uh, we'll take a look at uh, how much is in their IRAs and uh, 401ks and say, okay, so much uh, comes out of this. Whatever the value is, we look at the lookup table. And I don't know the exact number, but basically uh, at age uh, right now, you're supposed to take your required minimum distributions uh Next year, you're supposed to take your requirement of the distributions after you get to age 72. Uh, you just take a look at the number in the lookup table for 72, and it should be around 26 or something, uh, which is the equivalent. And when you divide something by 26, it's 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 approximately the same as 4%. And... Uh, so they tell you you've got to take 4% of your account out. And for the case of IRAs, you can add all the required minimum distributions from your IRA accounts and take them out of one account, or you can take it out of each individual account. So a lot of times it's easier to take it out of the individual accounts because it helps you keep track of making sure that you've got your required minimum distributions out. In the case of 401ks, or, or uh, in the case of 401ks, you do have to uh, take it out of each uh, 401k. You just can't say, well, I've got a 401k over here and a 401k over there, and uh, take it out of one of them. Uh, that doesn't work that way. So, uh, take it out of each individual one, and that's the same thing is true for the 457 uh, plans. Uh, for the 403Bs, you can you can add your 403Bs up and take it out of only uh, one plan. So uh, when you do take it out, uh, you'll be taxed on that amount as ordinary income. Uh, and the idea is that the government said that uh, you don't have to pay those taxes when you put that money away, but you will have to pay it when it comes out, and then it will be ordinary income tax um, um, applied to that uh, money, not the, not the capital gains tax or anything like that. So um, I hope that I hope that uh, helps you. And if it doesn't, just give us a call back. Uh, a lot of people call from the uh, their cars and things of this nature, and. Uh, Sooner or later, they find the time to stop over when they, they, the traffic uh, allows them to pull out of traffic, and uh, uh, they can call us from their from their car. But they'll be uh, safe doing it. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call 
over our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows All the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names This is Jim McAleese, your host this morning. Uh, Let's talk about uh, uh, how the service industries are doing. And uh, when we take a look at the sectors of the U.S. economy, what we're seeing is that uh, manufacturing is, you talk about the goods producing part, and that's manufacturing, and that typically includes uh, uh, all your uh, durable goods, your non-durable goods. in some cases, it even includes construction and uh, mining. Uh, the rest of the economy is classified as service providing. That means that uh, it can be anywhere from uh, uh, engineering and accounting and uh, financial services and warehousing and uh, trucking and all those things are classified under services. So services are a big part of the U.S. economy. In fact, they're, they're bigger than the uh, manufacturing part by a, by a factor of four or five. So uh, the, where we look at to see, see what's going on in the, ma- in the service industry is the Institute of Supply Management's uh, survey of managers in the service industry. Uh, and that shows that uh, business is still growing. And... Uh, uh, but at a, in November, but at a slightly slower pace than in October. Uh, the index is generated by the Institute of Supply Management uh, from uh, uh, surveys of the executives in those industries that are asked to uh, rate this month versus last month. And uh, they ask them questions about uh, comparing uh, new orders. Uh, production activity, employment, backlog of orders, uh, prices, and all the rest of this stuff. And then they grind these numbers together and come up with an index number that if it's 50, that in, in, indicates that uh, that the service sector is not increasing or decreasing. If it's greater than 50, it indica- indicates that the uh, service industry is increasing and less than 50. It's uh, decreasing. And what we're seeing for November is that the uh, index number of 55.9, which is a strong uh, growth number, and uh, that was a little bit less than the 56.6 in uh, October. Now, in the midst of the March and April time frame, with all the restrictions in the uh, economy, those numbers got down to uh, 41. They weren't 55. They were basically in contraction in 41. But let's take a look at uh, at what they say, according to Anthony Knives, who is the uh, chair of the Institute of Supply Management's uh, Service Business Survey Committee. In November, 
there continued to be a slight pullback in the rate of growth of the service sector. Respondents' uh, comments were mixed about business conditions and the economy. Uh, restaurants continue to struggle with uh, capacity constraints and logistics, and most companies uh, uh, cautious no, as they as they navigate operations amid the pandemic and the aftermath of the U.S. presidential election. So if you take a look at uh, uh, what people are saying uh, in accommodations and food services, their comments, um, a sample of their comment was uh, conflicting national, regional, and local guidelines requirements for COVID-19 issues are becoming increasingly difficult to navigate, uh, leading to a lot of just-in-time uh, type purchases. Uh, if you take a look at uh, uh, scientific and uh, pr- uh, professional services and technical services, the quote availability of uh, uh, personal protective equipment and other supplies is getting worse again. Uh, the situation is especially dire with regard to the gloves and uh, um, the uh, finance and insurance indicate uncertainty related to the U.S. elections resulted in additional uh, cybersecurity needs. So um, different comments from the different uh, sectors of that economy. Uh, we take a look at the, the raw data that the managers input into the Institute of Supply Management. We see that uh, um, they feel that business, 28%, feel that business uh, activity has increased, Uh, 57% says it's about the same, and 15% said it's lower this month than last month. Now, the 28 versus the 15 indicates that, hey, uh, business activity is picking up. Same thing with new orders. Mm -hmm. New orders, 30% said that it's uh, 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 new orders have picked up this month. 15% said it... uh, uh, it went down this month. That means that the new orders are they're moving upward in the right direction. The backlog, nineteen uh, percent said it's better. eighteen percent said it's worse. So the backlogs of uh, orders remains about the same. So employment, sixteen uh, percent said increased. Fifteen percent said decreased. So the employment picture is uh, just about the same as it was before. And what you're seeing is that in the service industries, it's growing at a slower rate than before. New orders are coming in, uh, and uh, they're growing, uh, but uh, not as fast as a month before. Employment uh, is is growing a little faster. Uh, a backlog of orders uh, is about the same, and... Uh, New export orders are down. Now, there's another group. It's called the IHS Market uh, Group, and they produce a similar product. And uh, I'll give you some of uh, their comments. And they have a different methodology, but uh, the approach is still uh, questionnaires out to uh, uh, different managers in the industries. In the U.S. economy, the service-providing sectors uh, the largest sector of the economy. And what they've seen is uh, for November, 
shows the sharpest increase in activity since March of 2015. They go on and say November signaled a marked increase in business activity across the U.S. service sector. The upturns in output and new business accelerated substantially, and the seasonably adjusted final IHS market U.S. services PMI purchasing managers index uh, registered 58.4 in November, and that was up from 56.9 in October. So some of the comments that were made by Chris Williamson, who is their chief business economist, quote, November saw U.S. business activity surge higher at a rate not seen since early 2015 as companies enjoyed the sharply rising demand for goods and services. Confidence has picked up considerably with encouraging news for the vaccines, coinciding with reduced political uncertainty following the presidential election. Hopes for the greater stimulus spending and fresh stock market uh, uh, highs. Optimism about the future is running at the highest level since uh, early 2014. And they continue on pricing power is also being regained with firms pushing up average charges for goods and services at a rate not seen for at least the last decade, voting well for stronger profits and uh, growth. So uh, what you're seeing there is the service sector in terms of uh, how well it was doing is doing very well in terms of November. But as I said before, most of the data that comes out in terms of the economy is backward-looking data. And uh, the concern is that uh, what is going to happen in uh, December, in January, with regard to this uh, increased uh, coronavirus. So it's going to be a race between between vaccines and uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, virus. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We can put this dampening effect of the COVID to good use. We have more time now to think about life and living. And here's a little something to ponder. I asked one of my friends who had crossed 70 and heading for 80 what sort of changes he is feeling in himself. And he sent me the following very interesting lines which I'd like to share with you. Number one, after loving my parents, my siblings, my spouse, my children, my friends, now I have started loving myself. Number two, I just realized that I'm not Atlas the world does not rest on my shoulders. Number three, I now stop bargaining with vegetable and fruit vendors. A few pennies more is not going to burn a hole in my pocket, but it might help the poor fellow save for his daughter's school fees. Number four, I pay my waitresses a big tip. The extra money might help bring a smile to her face and she's toiling much harder for a living than me. Another one, I stopped telling the elderly that they've already narrated that story many times. 
The story makes them walk down the memory lane and relive the past. And I've learned not to correct people, even though I know they're wrong. The onus of making everybody perfect is not on me. So peace is more precious than perfection. I also give compliments freely and generously. Compliments are a good enhancer, not only for the recipient, but also for me. And here's a small tip for the recipient of a compliment. Never, never, never turn it down. Just say thank you. And I walk away from people who don't value me. They don't. They might not know my worth, but I do. I remain cool when somebody plays dirty to outrun me in a, in a rat race. One, I'm not a rat, and neither am I in a race. I am learning not to be embarrassed by my emotions. It's my emotions that make me human. I have learned that it's better to drop the ego than to break a relationship. My ego will keep me aloof, whereas my relationships, uh, with relationships, I'll never be alone. I've learned to live each day as if it were the last. After all, it might be. And I'm doing what makes me happy. I'm responsible for my happiness. I would to myself, happiness is a choice. And until we meet again next week for more and get rich slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.